Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Mm-hmm. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Mm, this is Wretched Radio. Let's kick things off with a conundrum. You say, what conundrum? It's the one that Jimmy and I were conundruming about prior to hearing that infernally long opening where you can send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, yes. for some reason, I had this question in my office instead of it being in yours. Is puppy abortion wrong? Are what you, say you, sir? <laughs> you're asking me. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, why do you want to kill puppies? <laughs> That's the first question. Why do you want to kill? All right. I don't think there's an explicitly um, definitive answer from the Bible. Okay. Do you think that there are any principles that would shine a light on our decision-making regarding puppy abortion? Which apparently is a thing. I didn't know it was, but apparently why couldn't the medical professionals <laughs> do that? I mean, yeah, I think there are principles. The, right? the same sanctity of life. Yeah, uh, I, I, even when it comes to animals. Right. Uh, suffering. Uh, the, yeah, there you go. Suff okay. Suffering, right? But, I mean, that's... <sighs> We're supposed to take care of animals. Right. We aren't supposed to abuse animals. Now, however, you got another issue here. Don't forget, it was after the fall that God said, go ahead and eat meat. That was not initially the plan. We were vegetarians prior to the fall. I believe it's Genesis 9 where the command then enters that you can go ahead and kill and eat stuff. So what do we do with that? It can't be a sin or God wouldn't command that we do that. So it's okay to kill an animal, and yet we've got some tension because we're supposed to be kind. A godly man takes, he doesn't beat an animal, so we don't abuse. We're supposed to take care of, we are supposed to subdue, we're supposed to nurture, but we can eat them. How do we put all of that together? It seems to me that I tip your way, Jimmy, that, that might there be some sort of super compelling reason to perform puppy abortion? Well, I can't think of one. Now, wait a second. Okay, Jimmy. How's it? Okay. Here. This is this is why I think this kind of causes us to go, because when it comes to human abortion, none of these conversations or ponderances are applicable. None of them. Up north, Jimmy. Uh -huh. I don't know if they did this in Tennessee. Don't know if they do it in Georgia. Culling the herd, where the government says, go ahead. Hunters, get out to the fields. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start shooting them up because if you don't, they're going to starve to death. Mm -hmm. 
And it's considered an act of kindness because otherwise so many of these animals, there are too many animals, not enough food. They starve to death. And by the way, Jimmy. Uh-huh. Report. What's wrong, Todd? Thanks. Thanks for kicking that in gear. Thank We had our first death here at the ministry. What? Yep. And it was in the TV studio. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, we opened the door. <laughs> what died in here? Literally, what died in here? Turns out it was a chipmunk. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> the poor little guy. Did he make TV? No, no, we got rid of him because he was super stinky. We don't know how he, I, I, we think he starved to death. That's all. I mean, it's, I know it's a little chippy, but that's not cool. That's not fun. That should be the attitude. We don't want these animals to starve. Now, we've determined that it can be okay to cull the herd. Could that apply then to puppies in the womb? It seems to me we're the life people. That even though they're not human beings, they're not at the same level, I can't find a compelling reason to say that we should take the life of something that's in the womb, even if it's a... Oh, <laughs> that was, oh, that was hard. That was going to be my follow-up. Email. <laughs> <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. Wow, that... That's that's one that kind of challenges your your kind of your understanding of like all of the scriptures that right. you put the whole thing together. Yeah, and and you, you you don't we get to eat them, so you can kill them. We I don't think well most Christians some do they don't have a problem with the packing centers where we kill animals and grind them up and eat them with bacon on top and barbecue sauce, but I don't, that's just not the same. We're not we're not. We're not doing that with puppies in the womb. Right. We're the life people. I say, figure out a way to have those puppies taken care of or be Bob Barker wise and have your pets spayed and neutered. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Well, this comes from Sarah. Todd, what would you recommend to a woman whose husband is verbally abusive? Ooh. At what point does she walk away to protect herself and her child? Well, you might need to do that. Now, but walking away and staying safe, that's that's different than divorce. That's you that's just being wise. My encouragement to you would be to seek the personal counsel of your elders. You need an individual that can ask you questions and probe. Tell me, what does it sound like? What is he doing? How often is he doing that? Do you feel that you are in physical danger? Has he ever been abusive physically? You want an elder involved. And if you are not a member of a local church, this is yet another reason to become one because an elder, a shepherd, a pastor has no obligation to regular attenders. Just doesn't. He's he's the shepherd of sheep who are committed to that local body. Commit to your local church it's for your own safety. This is yet another instance to be, you might just need a man to step in and go, uh, we need to talk, sir. We need to talk about how you're talking to your wife and child. Let's open up the Bible here. And that might just be enough to shake the guy out of his foolishness and get him to start speaking loving and tender words. Remember, you put off and put on. We don't just want him to stop being nasty. We want him to start speaking lovingly. 
and having elders do that and play that role, what price do you put on that? Become a member of your local church. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one's from Samuel. Todd, I have a close friend who hasn't gone to church growing up, but is a Christian. He goes to the same Christian school as me and does truly love God from what I can tell. But he struggles to meet with other believers, even in youth group or a Bible study that I've started with other kids my age. I invite him every time, but he usually doesn't come. Is there anything I can do? Well, you could ask him why, and he might have a valid reason. And you just don't know. I, oh, because I already go to two Bible studies. Oh, you know what? I'm doing this online program through XYZ. See, we just don't know. Ask. And, and remember, too, different people are at different levels of walk. Different people are at different places with their current comfort with church and church gatherings. I don't think we should overblow this, but we all know this. There's hurt that happens in churches. And sometimes people get scalded big time and real bad. We're, we're, in fact, hold on a second. I happen to have an article here in my organized stack of stuff that talks about some of the toxic behavior that does indeed happen in churches where people get burned big time. I, I, I kept it simply because it is a reminder that there are sometimes people who come to your church or you've been palling with, you want to invite them to Bible study, they may have been scalded. Let's not overblow this. Churches overall are doing so many wonderful things. We just need to be aware. Let's not turn it into some sort of toxic church witch hunt here, but be mindful. So this article, it's Sam Rayner. How to recover from a toxic church and bounce back even better. Maybe that's what your pal is going through. He just got, and it's like, you know, I'm just going to stay a little bit. And it could be other things. I mean, really, we, and I'm not talking, it could be so, you're inviting somebody. Maybe they know there's somebody in that group there they just had a fallout with, or they were harmed by. Maybe they just aren't nuts about us. Okay. The only way to know is if you ask. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from um, comes from Amber. Uh, Todd, when it comes to the evidence of salvation, do I need to check every box before I can have assurance? <laughs> that none of us would have assurance. <laughs> the only people who can check every sanctification box would be those who are glorified. Otherwise, you're going to have sin mixed in there. Don't look to check every box uh, but just see if there are there any boxes. Just see if there's some fruit, and is there increasing fruit? But don't become so surgical when it comes to dissecting yourself. When it comes to your spiritual status, you want to do that. Examine yourself occasionally, but recognize you're you're still going to see sin. But you need to just identify. Hey, look, there's the fruit, right? Okay, it's growing in me. Who? And then take your eyes off of yourself. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of Gospel Partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long-lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Masters Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash Pastor. Know your church fathers. Athanasius was the Bishop of Alexandria in the 4th century. He was a champion of the church's fight against Arianism and was a chief author of the Nicene Creed. However, his orthodoxy did not equal popularity. Athanasius was exiled no less than five times, but Athanasius chose to honor God instead of man. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, this isn't 60 Minutes. This is Wretched Radio. But if you feel the clock ticking, because November is coming and that is open enrollment month and you're feeling the pressure about health insurance and look at the rates. What happened to the coverage? Yikes. Don't panic. MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing. Every month is open enrollment month. I mean, it's amazing. You only get one month out of the year when you can make these decisions. MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing. Please visit the website, 
metashare.com slash wretched. Study it. See if it's right for your family. It is hundreds of thousands of Christians sharing in the medical expenses of other Christians to the tune of seven billion dollars to date. Now, I know that doesn't compare to the national debt, but it's still a lot. MediShare, hundreds of thousands of Christian families have discovered the benefit of affordable biblical health sharing. The average family saves five up to $500 a month. Are you kidding me? Isn't it worth taking two minutes to call them at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. And as long as you got the technology working, send your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Jana. Todd, is it wrong to claim tax deductions for donations and weekly church offerings when filing taxes yearly? She said, I'm conflicted because it doesn't seem sacrificial if I get money back. Yeah. Some Christian friends claim them. Others don't for the same reason. But there, is there any biblical reference to help me? Uh, this is amazing. That has that has never crossed my conscience radar. It just hasn't. Now, that doesn't mean it shouldn't because there is some truth in what she just said. So you give 100. We're just going to use round numbers here. You give $100 to church, but you're able to deduct that. And, and by the way, these days, um, most of us are underneath, what is it, 20,000? You just automatically get a credit. 25. Is it 25 now? Mm-hmm. And you, you just get a credit, so really it doesn't matter. But nevertheless, I give the $100, and let's say that I get a tax credit for it, and I'm in the, the 20 percentile bracket, so therefore I only gave $80. Uh, she's right. Okay, so what is a Christian to do? I don't think that that means that you shouldn't take advantage of it. In fact, I would say just the opposite. Take every advantage you can. You're not doing anything illegal. Just do, you'll just have to do more accounting. So if that's the case, if they take, if I get 20% and I really wanted to give the Lord $100, but I'm getting a kickback on it, okay, you can do the accounting any way that you want to, but up front, you can give $122.50 because you're going to, you, that'll be $100 because I know I'm going to get the deduction. But maybe right now your finances don't allow for $122.50. So you give 100 bucks, but you know, you're getting 20 bucks back, if you will, in the form of tax credit, deduction. Then the next gift I give, I'm going to give that away in addition to my other. And I say that because uh, these are heart issues. Uh, this this isn't formal accounting stuff. It's It's the desire of the heart. And sometimes circumstances, you may want to do it the former or the latter way. There's liberty in that, but if you realize, hey, I'm not really giving a hundred bucks, then give more because that was the desire of your heart. That is, Jimmy. It's. Did you ever stop to think about that? I have not. What's the matter with us? It's a really good question. Yeah, really is. Keep them coming. Idea at wretched.org. And this is a good question, too. Interesting, I thought. Uh, This is from Nathan. Todd, this Thanksgiving, a family member who's also a yoga instructor may be uh, coming to Thanksgiving dinner where she'll likely offer yoga sessions during the reunion. Wow. What's a loving way to turn that down? Um, No, sorry. I was just thinking. I (laughs) I wasn't doing the thing with the yoga business there. Hey, that's a, that's a really nice offer. Uh, not my thing. Same, simple, short. It, and and, and, and what it, what's ringing in the back of my noggin, and there's a lot of room for ringing there, is, is when you're asked about the pronouns or the, the, you know what, thanks for asking. 
No. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just be polite about it. Just maybe you could use it as a springboard into a spiritual conversation. Tell me about this yoga that you're into. Now, my understanding is it's a Hindu salvific practice. Are there any sort of spiritual connections to that? Why do you do that? What do you think you're accomplishing through that? What is your belief about God? What role does he play in this? And you can simply use it as a springboard into a conversation. If your desire is, I cannot stress this enough, if your desire is to share great news, not to confront them in their wrong worldview, we tear down these strongholds, every argument, all of these false ideologies. Yes, indeed we do. But if you go with a battering ram just to hammer people, I don't think you're going to be successful. They're, they are going to rebuff you. You can tear them down by expressing a desire to, to love them, to help them, to share something great. That's how I think the walls and the arguments come tumbling down. Because you aren't going into a, a battle of wits or worldviews. I got to tell you about this. This is amazing. Because I, I, I know enough about, about yoga that people will practice this because they hope to empty their minds in order to become connected to the great big nothingness. I, I got to tell you, um, there's, a, there's a better, more reliable, and a more trustworthy and it's not detaching yourself from reality. It's understanding what reality really is. That there's a creator and we're his creation. And we, we, we look around and we don't need a news feed to know that there's a sin problem because I know what's going on in my own heart. We, we, we need reconciliation with this God and he's provided it himself. He doesn't demand that we do it because we can't. Son, to die for us, why were we yet sinning? Which means when we die, we don't go into oblivion. We get to be with our maker. And we are going to live on this planet, a renewed planet. No more sin, no more sorrows, no more tears. All courtesy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, have you ever considered the claims of Christianity? Don't run from it. Uh, don't get into a fight about it. Use it at wretched.org. All right, this next question comes from Steve. Ton, can you please define the essentials of the faith as well as what are secondary and tertiary issues? <laughs> sure. It's pretty safe. Uh, I, I think we need to do a little better than the apostles and even the Nicene Creed. Those, those have got essentials. But, but I just think the clearest way to understand the essentials would be the five solas. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, revealed in the Bible alone, to the glory of God alone. Those are the essentials. So understanding God rightly, understanding Christ rightly, understanding the Trinity, those are, those are the essential. You got to have those right or you're on. That's always historically been understood. So what are the secondary and tertiary issues? Everything else. Now, how do you divide secondary from tertiary? Well, I would say secondary would be definite like bullseye theological issues, not essential issues. But this would be the ring outside of them, which would be things like baptism, spiritual gifts, uh, church polity even could fall into that. What's a, what's a tertiary issue? Well, you're starting to get a little bit further out when it comes to deciding about sometimes some moral issues, sometimes some, some theological issues that are just more distant from, from 
the emphasis the Bible puts on them. And that's probably a good rule too. The main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. What is the Bible stress? Those are the essentials. And they could be the secondary things outside. You know, maybe I would even put church polity out to a tertiary issue. As big of a deal as it is. The church polity, I'm telling you, it's a fascinating subject. Because we're working on a church plant in the northern suburbs of Atlanta. Been going through different church bylaws. Fascinating. It is just amazing how there's a ton of similarities for most good churches. But there's just... There's some liberty that's there. And I keep coming back to the intentional vagueness. That's right. The intentional vagueness of the Bible when it comes to dictating the terms of a local church. I think we're posting a video on this today. I think we talked about it earlier this week. Well, how many elders are you supposed to have? Well, the Bible doesn't say exactly. It's just Timothy appoint elders in every day. How many? Two? An odd number because of the vote thing. And speaking of the vote, what is the percentage of the vote? How many elders need to agree on a particular issue? Do you ever get the congregation of on and on? It goes, and the Bible just doesn't speak to it. And I think that is the wisdom of God. You're in a different context. You're in a different culture. You're in a different financial region. The resources, the number of people who attend the church all provide for variance. So when it comes to, to church bylaws and, and church polity, you could argue it's a secondary issue because it's ecclesiology. But I think you're going to be hard-pressed. It's wisdom, but I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find a verse that says you need to have a constitution as a church and it needs to contain these elements. Start out with how it's incorporated because that's how most of them start, but because you have to when you're filing for church status with the government. You just don't see it. And therefore, when it comes to those tertiary issues, I think we need to recognize that we can uh, contend for those, but not contentiously. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. We start today with new research that reveals extreme loneliness is a shockingly common thing worldwide. The Journal of Happiness is who published the new study. They found that over 25% of people surveyed report feeling lonely all or most of the time. And surprisingly, the loneliest age group was not the elderly, as you might expect, but adults aged 36 to 50. Researchers point to several factors that may contribute to the epidemic of isolation, including longer working hours, more fragmented communities, and an increased use of technology. Loneliness can affect anyone, but the study highlights the urgent need is for stronger social connections and support systems. Yeah, I would say so. In other news, a Georgia restaurant's facing a bit of backlash right now over a controversial surcharge policy. The restaurant's located north of Atlanta called Bee's Cracklin Barbecue, and it's begun charging families an extra $50 if their children are too loud or unruly during meals. Owner Brian Furman defends the fee as a way to maintain an enjoyable dining experience. However, many parents argue that the charge unfairly targets families and children. The policy sparked some heated debate, while some praised the restaurant for taking a stand against disruptive kids, while others called the fees discriminatory. 
How do I feel about it? Well, I do see both sides, but on the one hand, kids, you just gotta let them be kids. We shift focus now to California. One elementary school has gotten some attention for canceling Halloween celebrations in the name of inclusion. The principal at the school, Bullard Talent School in Santa Rosa, informed families that Halloween festivities would not take place this year as the holiday could exclude those who don't celebrate it. However, critics point out that the same school district actively promotes LGBTQ History Month in October. Huh. How about that? Moving to legal news, the state of Tennessee is taking the Biden administration to court over federal family planning funds. Tennessee filed the lawsuit arguing that a recent reversal allowing money to go to abortion providers violates federal law. In 2019, the Trump administration banned these taxpayer funds from groups that perform or promote abortions like Planned Parenthood. However, the Biden administration scrapped those rules, once again allowing grants to organizations that provide abortion referrals. The state of Tennessee asserts this wrongly uses the funds for abortion-related activities. The court battle brews as both sides remain entrenched in the fight over abortion access. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible John was a disciple and close friend of Jesus. John's Gospel presents Jesus as the Word become flesh, God in human form. He also emphasizes belief in Christ as the only way, truth, and life. God writes so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, we may have life in His name. Believe in Jesus today and have life everlasting. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Clearly, you like texting. This is Wretched Radio. That is the normative form of communication these days, isn't it? Everybody text. Everybody, your phone rings. Who could be called? What in the world? Why is my phone making this noise? Just text me. (laughs) Well, you've been busy, 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 Jimmy. We've been getting lots of texts with questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. We have. 1-877-282-282. Two three three seven. That's it. I I can do some math, don't you know? One eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven. Try to include your name if you can. If it's anonymous, we get that. But keep them coming. And we'll start with a text. Uh, this comes from Mike, uh, who says, "Todd, in the numb little bug episode you did earlier this week, you emphasize the importance of work to human flourishing." I agree with what you said, but I struggle uh, with satisfaction at work. Yeah, Pastors and podcasters are the ones who typically call people to find contentment in their work. But in my opinion, they have dream jobs. Ah. They, they can study what interests them and tell others about it. Sure. No one dreams about doing what I do. <laughs> what about people like me who really are stuck in jobs that meet physical needs? And that's about it. Yeah. You'll probably need to work a little bit harder. But please note, there's a ditch in having a job that's really satisfying. Really, I just, I love doing it. Every, there's nothing about it. I'm just, and whoa, the paycheck. Uh, that individual probably isn't going to have at least that particular opportunity to grow in ways that you will. Remember, anything that isn't entirely pleasant, it's ordained by God for a good reason. Every time we experience something hard in life, we must stop and ask the question, Lord, What do you want me to know? Because I know you're doing something in this. 
and you're going to get to learn things and grow in ways that somebody who's totally satisfied with their current gig simply won't have. Now, having said that, there needs to be a balance. This The subject of vocation, it's a, it's a little bigger than just saying, find satisfaction in your work because we have Bible verses like God gives us the desires of our heart. Let's just say you're in a job that is unfulfilling, and I don't care what it is. I don't care what the world says about it. You're in a white-collar job that the world would say, oh, you got to go. That's impressive. But you're miserable. You hate it. Despite the paycheck, can you desire to be in another place? Yes, you can. Can you ask God to send you somewhere else? Absolutely. Can you go get training that will equip you to be qualified for new? Absolutely. But until God provides that, you'll have to work on being content in knowing that's your work, even though society, and even though your preferences don't say that this is great or important or it's not a dream job, you're offering it unto the Lord. You are giving it to him. Whatever the service is, this, this, oddly enough, this hymn stuck in my head all morning, actually, with the Lord, begin thy task. Jesus will direct it. I think I'm missing a stanza. Uh, With the Lord, then close thine eyes, be to him commended. Offer your day up as an act of worship. Remember, that's your reasonable act of service. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're using, we just have been studying that verse in Bible study. How to observe a text. How to stare at a text and get everything you can out of that bad boy. And then you come up with the interpretation, then the principle, then the application. You are to be offering your life as an act of worship. And the Greek is, it's, it's a logical thing. This, this is a logical thing. Logical why? Therefore, by the mercies of God. Therefore, because of everything that you read in Romans chapters 1 through 11, everything that God has done for you in Christ, therefore, duh, I'm paraphrasing. It's a no-brainer. Your life is an act of worship. It is a living, a holy and living sacrifice. Now, here's an interesting phrase inside of Romans 12.1, which is pleasing to God. Well, that's fascinating, isn't it? And we got to be careful with that because we have to recognize that we are pleasing to God because of Christ. Our positional standing with God is because of Jesus. He, in that sense, cannot be pleased anymore. And yet, we got to deal with the text, which says, when you live your life unto him, which is your reasonable, logical act of worship, that we are a living sacrifice. There's an interesting pairing of words, because sacrifice is usually dead. No, 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 you're alive. You do that unto the Lord, and you please him. You're pleasing him, Which, which, by the way, I would suggest to you, if you are stuck in a job that you're not thrilled about at the moment, that you, as you do it without grumbling and murmuring and complaint, doesn't mean you can't petition God and ask for a change to be transferred into a different division or career, frankly. You can keep doing that. But as you go about doing your duty because you're providing for yourself, you're providing for your family, you are serving others. I don't care what you're doing. Even if it happens to be down the stream a little bit, you are serving God's children in some way, shape, or form. And that is pleasing to God when you do it without murmuring or grumbling. So, what do you do, sir? I think it was a sir. 
does that matter these days? <laughs> it was Mike. Mike. So, so keep doing your job. Offer it up to the Lord. Fight the temptation to be ungrateful and to murmur and complain. And then petition your God to provide you something that really would be the desire of your heart. And then ultimately know that one day when he returns and when he burns this place up, and builds it all shiny and new. You're going to be working and you will be so content in everything you do. And you know what? Here's the interesting kicker. It, it might actually be the same job. <laughs> but the Lord will have your heart in a place where you recognize, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this really for my family. I'm doing this ultimately unto him. Idea at wretched.org or one eight seven seven two eight two. Two three three seven. All right, this one is from Anonymous. Todd, one of our church elders attended a Beyonce concert recently. And as you know, her songs include anti-Christian and even disgusting lyrics. Well, I didn't, but I'll trust that texture. <laughs> uh, they say, um, I'm outraged, but my husband, who is an elder, agrees that it, while he agrees that it was unwise, doesn't think the man should be confronted. Am I wrong to be upset? Shouldn't our elders say something to what, him? What man are you talking about? So one of their church elders went uh, to the concert. Went to the concert. Ah, and her husband, who's also an elder, doesn't think he it was he thought it was unwise, but doesn't think he should be confronted. <sighs> confronted. Maybe, maybe a different word would find a position between you and your husband that might move it forward. How's about being concerned? Hmm. An elder who goes to a concert that is most certainly going to be very sexualized, performed by a woman who has expressed her opinion toward Christians, God, and the Bible. She hates your Savior. She actually hates you. If you confess the things, the disgusting things she sings about against our Savior and about his word, uh, she hates you. I, I can't imagine why anybody would want to give her money. It, it is fascinating, though. It, it's, 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 uh, but I really like the music. Yep. Can we enjoy entertainment from pagans? Yeah, sure you can. As long as it's not sinful, of course. But in this instance, it is. And it happens to be from someone who isn't shy about their attitude and their animosity toward God. Why would you want to go do that? And an elder is supposed to be above reproach. So therefore, I think you have biblical grounds to say, hey, I want to talk to you about this because there's going to be some people who hear about you going to Beyonce and they're going to say you're not above reproach. Help me out. Help me to understand what was going on. Why did you go to this thing? They, I guess, could have season. But maybe it's something where this is how we even disciple one another. Not discipline, but disciple. And maybe next time you should think about this and this and this and your role, and your understanding of how people view you, and the importance of the biblical command to be above reproach. So I think for the purity of the church, you have biblical grounds to counsel him, to be concerned about him, confront him, even if it is, if you will, confrontational. That word just has so much militaristic baggage. See it as an act of love, concern for him purity of the church. What if there was a pagan there who saw the pastor at a Beyonce concert? What would they think about Jesus? 
What would they think about that guy? What would they think about that local church? If you're an elder, you you are going to have to make some sacrifices, some big ones. Now, in this, my opinion, in this, going to a Beyonce concert, that's kind of a no-brainer. No. But elders, all of us, remember, holy and living sacrifice. Therefore, by the mercies of God, considering everything that he's done, I, I think it's safe to say you got to die to yourself and your flesh. Oh, but I, that band, I really love that band. All right, what about my testimony? How much do I love that? How much do I love what people might think about Jesus if they see me participating in this event? And ultimately, Romans 12:1 tells us that really shouldn't be a big whoop in light of everything that he sacrificed. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty. And I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. As you may know, we're passionate about spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ around here. And we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us to make that possible. As a gospel partner, you're part of a community that is dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. And we're accountable to our partners, which is why we are proud to say that we are members in good standing with the ECFA. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And we believe around here that partnering with us is a way to be steadfast and immovable in the world of the Lord. So please, if you would, take a moment to consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. If you have questions, we certainly have answers and you can find those at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Could we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high, teledocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day. 
at MetaShare. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called our sanctuary. Through Christ, we find refuge from God's justice and find a safe haven where we can enter into the presence of the Holy God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We're transporting you to Wednesday night Bible study. This is Wretched Radio. Hoping you'll send stuff, whatever it is, that's Wretched Idea at Wretched.org. And now you can text 1 877 282 2337. Hope you will. We're blessed when you do. But would like to share with you, hopefully, this will be helpful. When it comes to interpreting the Bible, how do we do that? We were just talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's a verse that we've been staring at in Bible study. We're going through hermeneutics. We're going through Heath Lambert's book, The Great Love of God, but we're going through hermeneutics. And the first step in interpreting a Bible verse rightly is observation. You stare at it and you look at it. And and you write down pretty much everything you observe. You want to avoid the trivial. Hey, there's two words that have three R's in them. Okay, that's just trivial. Uh, you you want to look out for alliteration because the original language probably wasn't using a k, k or an m, m, m sound. So you avoid the trivial. But if you stare at a text long enough, and I would actually challenge you to do this. I, I think you'll be surprised. I know this choice of word is going to sound a little bit ridiculous or geeky. Fun. It's really fun. Just stare at a verse. I was talking to Bruce. He's, he's down the hall from me right now. And he, he, he took hermeneutics at the Master Sem. And he told me the story that I have heard from all of us who have taken hermeneutics. The professor just, this is like his happy day. The first day of hermeneutics when it comes to the subject of observation. The pastor, the, the professor will either give a Bible verse or will even give an inanimate object, a can of Coke Zero. All right, everybody, gather around the can of Coke Zero. Observe it. I'll be back in 15 minutes. I expect 15 observations. Um, it's red. It says Coke. Uh, got a tab on the top. And they oh, kind of grind through 15 observations. He comes back after 15 minutes and says, all righty. I want you to write 15 more. See ya. And off to the lounge he goes. Comes back in 50 minutes. They're just groping. You got to do 15 more now. What? 45 observations about a can of Coke? Are you crazy? Oh, you can. And you can do it with a Bible verse. So for your consideration, I took a look at Romans 12.1. Not two, but Romans 12.1. And I came up with 40 observations. Okay, you can do this too. I'm not even, when I'm preparing a sermon, and by the way, if you follow the interpretive model that I think is so helpful, just a four-step process, observation, interpretation, principalization, and application, you're going to hear it in your pastor's sermon. You got a Bible preacher, you got yourself an expositor, you're going to hear his observations. When he's saying things like, take a look at the tense of this verb. Do you know that that's an indicative and not an imperative? And you're going... Hey, that came from his observation of the text. And then when he starts saying things like, what Paul is telling you, okay, 
So he's, he's, he's giving me the interpretation. That means we Christians should be living like this. There's your principle. Therefore, act like this, like that. Do this thing. Don't do that thing. That's your application. By studying hermeneutics, you're going to hear these elements inside of your pastor's sermon. So this will just help you perhaps a bit. I won't labor long on these. This is, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Whew, that's a lot. Number one, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? Oh, it's about the first 11 chapters, law, gospel. I, I urge you, is first person. It's only used once. You and your second person pronoun used twice. Encourage is the first word in Greek. I took a look at the Greek. The first word is encourage. So clearly, Paul is serious about this because the word order tells me in Greek, usually the most important sentiment is put at the top or at the end. Urge, it's an indicative. It's not an imperative. It's an ongoing present. Urge is a plea to exhort. It's an emotion. It's way stronger than ask or suggest. He considers these people true believers. Huh? He calls them brothers. So he's the people he's writing to in Rome. He considers them to actually be saved. By is a prepositional phrase. It explains how I can obey by the mercies of God. Mercies is plural. It's a Greek word. It means compassions, pity, mercies. Compassion tells me about the character of God. Compassions tells me about my weakness and inability to do this without him. So he about the business of being holy, denying self, living for him, being obedient, I know that my pleasing behavior, because it tells me that it's acceptable, it's pleasing to God, is only because he empowers it so he gets all the credit for it. So it's pleasing. We're pleasing to God because he's seeing his work through us. The Greek for stand uh, to present is a Greek word. He uses it eight times in the book of Romans. Five times it means present. Bodies is plural, your, plural, sacrifice, singular. Hey, that's interesting. In other words, Paul's being kind of Southern here. Hey, y'all, your bodies, together, singular sacrifice. A reminder, yes, the, the Christian faith is individualistic, but we don't stand alone. We do things as a body. We can, together, as we do things together as a body, we're offering it up to him as a sacrifice that is pleasing to him. On and on it goes. He, holy and living. Why, why? Holy and living. Why did, in a living sacrifice, living, that kind of is the opposite of a sacrifice. God, to God is date of masculine singular. And, uh, reasonable. This is your logical act of service. You get the point. And that was just lame old me. Do that. Try that. Do it for Bible verse. All right. For God so loved the world. For. Because. Oh, okay. How is, what's the sum of that preposition? That is, 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 for, because God so loved the world, he gave. Oh, that sounds like that that would be the nominative he and gave. That, oh, that, that's the core of the sentence. He gave. And dissect it and look at it and stare at it only. Okay. The only one, Jesus, we're talking. What does the word begotten mean? Look at a verse, look at it, observe it, then interpret it, and you will be shocked at how much you learn 
and then send your results to idea at wretched.org or 1-877-282-2337. So, uh, Daniel, and this is where I want to start off. He sent he sent a text to us and said, Todd, knowing that 1 John 3.17 says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So knowing that, how can you, someone who has a working shower, sit by and laugh at Jimmy's water heater predicament? <laughs> it was a rebuke. It was. It was a long one. <laughs> you get that bad boy fix? I did. Oh, good. I did. <laughs> how much did that set you back? Nothing. <laughs> Good, they fixed it for you. They did, yes. Yay, team! Thanks for the rebuke. One eight seven seven two eight two two three. Did you send that? No, I didn't. Okay. That was Daniel. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Uh, this is from anonymous. Recently, you talked about Spurgeon and how infants go to heaven. You said they have not willfully sinned, therefore they will not be damned. How does that fit with humans having a sin nature? Yeah, they've got one. They've got one. It, it, it's knowledge. They're born totally depraved. This does the idea that infants who die go to heaven does not contradict total depravity. You you don't need to pluck your tulip out of the ground to adhere to infant salvation. They're totally depraved sinners. They're they're just not aware that they are sinning against their maker. That's why we call it a level of accountability. When you get to the point where it's like, yep, I know this is wrong. I'm doing it anyway. Congratulations, you're accruing a sin debt. Until that time, that level. You're not. And God is gracious, kind, good. And he brings babies, so many babies, to heaven. That biblically. You can see our video at the YouTube machine, idea at wretched.org. All right, this comes from Kyle. Todd, I'm a single guy who was involved in kids' ministry at my church. Outside of official church events, what's a good way to come alongside the families as they raise their kids? Oh, boy, you're you're doing a big load of it right now. Uh, there are things that you could do with the kids. Uh, you you, you want to be mindful and thoughtful these days. Uh, you know, taking kids on trips, being alone with kids. Uh, uh, let's practice some wisdom with that. But you can come alongside them by supporting them in their parenting role. And I think you can do that through physical acts where, where you, you take the kid, you, you bring the kid to church to help with some work projects that maybe takes a load off the parents. But I would suggest to you, there are many ways, but the one that I would emphasize the most is support them in their role of authority as parents. If you're coming to this reason, you got parents who want you to love Jesus. Perfect? No. They love you. They have so much wisdom. I know the world is telling you to kick against the goads, but I'm telling you, it ain't pleasant when you do. You are, you're, you're, you are denying yourself wisdom that you need. Start submitting to your parents. Do what you're told. They are good folks. They don't hate you. They love you. And if you will do this, God says you'll have his blessing. It is a commandment. With, you want a blessing? Do you want God to bless you and and be pleased with how you act as a teenager? Submit to your parents and it will go well with you. I would say, whew, that would be a blessing to all parents. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs> <laughs>